Hey everybody, welcome back to We Are Podcast. This is I Hate Being Sober, Season 1, Episode 18, Dating a Narcissist with Suzanne Moore. If this is your first time checking out the Podcast Network, please head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you get a chance, head over to our social media. All links can be found in the description. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash we are podcast. And with that said, on to the podcast. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to I Hate Being Sober. And now our host, Doug. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I Hate Being Sober. Personal stories from epic people. Today, I am talking to one of the most epic of people I know, Miss Suzanne Moore. Suzanne, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you, but also it's going to be kind of a downer of a cast. We're going to be talking about some pretty serious stuff, but it's very important stuff too. So letting anyone who's listening out there know we are going to be talking about narcissism. Suzanne has dealt with this firsthand. She has dated not one, but two narcissists in her life. And so she has some insight for you today on how that goes. And for anyone who's in a relationship with a narcissist, get out, <laughs> get out Amen. now, run, run, run. You, you deserve better. You deserve so much better. Suzanne, a little background on you. You have been an insurance agent for how many years now? 33, 33 years. Congratulations. It's so awesome. On top of that swimming champion, author what else singer single mother you've won multiple awards across the board too this is what i always say about suzanne wherever the roof is she's going to climb above that roof and break that glass ceiling and go to the next spot i always say you're my favorite feminist on the planet you do it through (laughs) action but you are you are such a feminist you take care of other women which is so important i love you and i love everything that you do for the ladies and for the guys too for me myself you've been there for me multiple times so i appreciate it thank you thank you i love you too Let's talk about narcissist. So we are not going to say his name. We're going to call him the narcissist. But you did end up dating somebody in the last five years, was it? Yes. Okay. I guess it's now. Six years. Almost. Mm-hmm. And he was a narcissist through and through. So let's start from the beginning. How did you meet the narcissist? Well, we'll start from the beginning in that I did not date for 16 years. I made a decision to serve God and my children and get them through college and So I found myself an empty nester. The kids were grown and I kind of felt that tug. Hey, uh, let's find somebody. And so I met him. He was actually a family friend of my brother. We'd known him since we were kids. And they all said, he's the nicest guy in the world. You should go out with him. You know, in the beginning, it was amazing. He knew way more about me than I. And now I know how he knew all that. But (laughs) because they do their homework. But (laughs) he just kind of jumped right into my vulnerabilities said all the right things, did all the right things. And before you knew it, you were hooked. And I didn't know what hit me. I found myself having a great time doing all kinds of wonderful things, kind of shut the door on a life that had brought some pain most recently. And so I think when you're vulnerable and you're sad and you're lonely, you, you know, they find you, they're looking for you. Absolutely. And like you said, they did a technique called love bombing. That's what he did, where he would buy you gifts or buy you flowers or buy you presents or things like that. That's called love bombing. That's where they provide gifts in return for whatever they want. And they know that they're going to hook you. That's the bait that they throw out there as their fishermen. Absolutely. And so and, and I got all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> very nice. 
But you had gone through a previous marriage that was rocky with a narcissist and you'd made a decision to get away from him and raise your daughters on your own. And you had dated within that, but you'd had some issues with some of the people you dated being not so great too. So you made that commitment, like you said, not to date for a long period of time. And you were happy. You stayed busy and you raised your daughters, correct? Absolutely. We had a blast. That's the thing, ladies. You don't have to be with anyone to be happy. It's not required. So just so you know, everyone knows, don't ever think that you have to be with somebody to be happy. Look at Suzanne. She did all kinds of stuff. You went to college in that time, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Got my bachelor's and my master's. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's what I'm saying. So go out there and be productive. So anyhow, the narcissist comes along. And at that point, he starts love bombing. He starts saying all the right things. Was there any sign of trouble in the beginning? You know, I can look back and see all kinds of trouble. (laughs) but I was not seeing any of that. I had a lot of things happen really fast. I had a friend that had made a decision to desert her marriage. And so I was helping with her daughter. And then I kind of walked away from some things at the church. My mother was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, She was not going to live and had to go through chemo. And so throughout that, he was there. He was actually very supportive during that time because they can be, they want to be the hero. They have a hero complex. But when you start to see that that hero complex turns everything back to them. It's all about them. It's all about making them happy. And they're like a chameleon. They will do anything that they can to try to fit in with every part of you. And then they will slowly start to chip away at any of those relationships that you have. Emotionally, it was probably nice to have somebody to lean on. Sadly, because of that situation, most likely, his ego was built up even more, even more, even more. Absolutely. And then he starts to chip away. He starts doing what they call gaslighting. You know, they gaslight, then they bomb, then they gaslight, then they bomb. And so you have a very roller coaster type relationship. You're still desiring to be loved and to find that place you started. And so you, you fight for that. So, you know, gaslighting, it's just slowly chipping away at all of your relationships, telling you that you have a problem with that. They don't like me. You shouldn't be around them. You need to spend more time with me, accusing you of sleeping with the boss, sleeping with the neighbor, jealousy. One thing I have discovered is anything they're accusing you of, they're doing it already. Right. And that's what it is most of the time. Yeah. I was in the same situation where I was getting accused of cheating or wanting to cheat or this or that. And every time it was that person cheating, or they can convince you that you're thinking thoughts that you're not thinking and your brain will initially try to fight. it. It'll say like, no, that's not right. I never said that, or I never did that. But eventually over time, after hearing it over and over again, you start questioning because you're a good person. And when you're a good person, you want to be that good person. And so when they attack the vulnerabilities of a good person, it's really hard because we start questioning, like, did I say that? Did I do that? Was mm-hmm. I thinking that? And then slowly you will believe it over time if, if you love hard enough. And like you said, gaslighting, here's usually what the pattern is. They gaslight you, you challenge it, they apologize, they love bomb with gifts or tokens or actions or whatever, rinse and repeat. And so they start to, and it's all to get you this little trap so that they can capture you and keep you all to themselves so that they can feed their ego over and over again. Yes, it's kind of a slow erasing of yourself. Oh my God, that's exactly what it is. You are so right. You you no longer are this strong, amazing person, which is who they're attracted to. That's why they find you because you are strong. You're an empath. You're a gift to other people. And that's what they want to be. So that's why they come to you. But they want to take that away from you because they truly hate you. 
because you're the object of their domination. The things that you do, like you said, you could have all these skills, you could have all these accolades, you could have all this self-worth. And then empathy is the key thing. If you're empathetic, you're always trying to please this person. There's no pleasing a narcissist. They use it. They're psychic vampires. They pull that energy out of Good you. Word. <laughs> they pull it out of you. And it's so scary because you don't have enough energy for it. So it breaks you down. It really does. And it's very scary. And you're never going to win. You're never going to please them. And problem is, you're so sucked in, you don't even realize it's happening. Yes. The abuse, not just emotional. There's just little physical abuses. You don't even think, oh gosh, you know, his was always, I don't know my own strength. So he poked me till I bruised. He pinched me till I bled, spit in my face when he was mad. More than once, he jumped out of my moving car in anger and you find yourself chasing after them. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You're like, who are you? You know, you're out of body. This is not who I am. And then, of course, there's the fall when yeah. I fell off that wall. Well, let's talk a little bit about two things before that. First of all, you were heavily involved in the church at that time that you started dating. And yes. through a series of people challenging your relationship, you chose to leave the church, correct? I did. Did he have any influence over that? Or do you think that was a long time coming? Well, I think that the enemy set that up before he came along and he used him to do that because I had had some small issues. Well, big issues when you add them all up. I had a problem with one of my daughters getting fired from the church. I didn't approve of it at all. Then I was ministering to a woman who professed her love to me. And I had to kind of step down from that and give her over to somebody else. And then they wanted to control when I went to church and what service I went to and what Sunday school class I went to. And then when my mother got cancer, I had decided to step down from everything so I could be with her. And then I was challenged. I was challenged that that was not the right choice that I need to stay under their guidance. And so I think all of those things added up. And then when I publicly announced this relationship on Facebook, I was told that I needed to cease and desist my behavior by the church. I, <laughs> by the church. And I hadn't done anything. You know, I wasn't having sex. I wasn't doing anything like that. I was just going out with a guy that I really thought I loved. And that so, led to me running out into the wilderness and going crazy. <laughs> but once again, that plays into it because you had this church that you were heavily involved with and then something that was a part of your life for so many years it was a long time wasn't it and yes, then uh, 13 or 15 years or something. yeah and so to have that break and then once again he's there to pick up the pieces or pretend to pick up the pieces you know and like so i'm sure he was as a narcissist jumping with joy cackling like a demon you know because <laughs> he sees an opportunity once again to suck you in even further. And oh, so, and he made up endless stories about receiving phone calls telling him to stop going out with me. You know, at the time I kind of bought it with line yeah. and sinker. You know, as the relationship progressed, I realized he probably did not get those calls. So at the same time you had that, you had a crisis of faith, correct? Like you said, you ran into the wilderness. You, you've always kept your faith. I've always but, kept my faith, but I questioned my faith. I questioned the church. I questioned what I was supposed to be doing, how I was supposed to be doing it. And boy, when that relationship ended, I had to find myself before I could find my faith. Absolutely. Because I was gone. <laughs> oh, it drains everything from you. you. You don't even know who you are. I remember after I got on my relationship, I would say to my friends, I would say, I don't even know who I am anymore. I, I don't know. That's how right. much they program you to believe the things that aren't even true half the time. And like, when you see through the mist, you, you finally get through it. You're just like, 
where am I? Like, how did I get here? Because you really are. You're, you're traveling through a swamp of fog and just alligator infested waters and just it's horrible. Enjoying this episode? Go check out Geekster, a dating and friends app for geeks that focuses on common interests as a way to make meaningful connections. Download today on the App Store or click the link in the description to find out more. Geekster, this is what happens when nerds collide. Geekster, available on iOS and Android. Real quick before we get to the fall, let's talk about your family. They had okay. major trepidations about him, the narcissist, especially your daughters. They did not like him and they would come to you constantly and let you know that because they are very vocal feminists themselves <laughs> who are not afraid to state their opinions. It's wonderful, but they were always felt like they could tell you exactly how they felt. And you fought back. Right. You were trying to play peacekeeper, correct? I was definitely because that's who I am. I am a peacekeeper. I don't like conflict. I handle it okay, but I just don't like it, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And yes, my kids, you know, they just didn't, they didn't want to do things with me. They didn't want the grandkids around and they didn't, you know, it, it's exactly what he wanted. He wanted me to be away from them. And I was not about to let that happen. And so after the fall, I started to see things a little differently. It took a while, but I did. Yeah, it was definitely cracks in the, the machine that he had created around you. I remember that I yes. watched you go from being all loving to having this major incident to going to kind of the decline of it. But you had to come out of, like I said, the fog, you had to come out and say, okay, like something's not right here. So mm -hmm. let's get into what is probably the peak of it. The fall, like you said, you were out at the fountains in Dallas. Is that right? In Fort Worth. We Fort were at the botanical gardens. We had had a fight the night before and we were making up. Um, I don't even remember what the fight was about. We went to Starbucks and then we walked down to gardens and we climbed up these big stairs that weren't really stairs you know like three times the size of a stairs mm -hmm. in the grass and we're sitting up there and then he said let's go down to the water and so as we're going down he reaches out his hand to help me down those big steps and then the only thing i remember is literally waking up on the ground i can't even remember maybe a six foot wall on the concrete sitting there my watch had broken off my arm i had debris all over me and my arm was flipping in the wind. <laughs> I know I'm yeah. a little cringy and I because I saw the aftermath and I just. Uh. Oh, yeah, I was screaming. And so there was that blackout moment, too. So you weren't real sure what happened in there. But right. as far as you know, he was helping you down. And then in the middle of it, he's telling me that he had to pull me over the wall so I wouldn't hit my head. So he was the hero. He'd saved me. But I broke my arm in seven places. Oh, and dislodged my bladder. Oh, I didn't know that part. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had, no had two surgeries later. Oh, wow. Well, it later came to light. You believe that you didn't fall. You believe that you were pushed. Is that correct? Yeah. From the beginning, Brandy did not believe his story because she's a nurse and she's at the hospital and he's trying to control everything that's going on in the hospital room, trying to control what the nurses know and say and do and the doctors. And Brandy's trying to be my daughter and find out what's going on. And so she, as a nurse, are trained to recognize behavior. And so she absolutely, that's her downfall with the narcissist. But I, you know, I was lost that whole year. I had a fixator in my arm after the surgeries for the arm. How um, many stitches was it? Oh gosh, I can't even remember 52 or something. Yeah, it was insane. The whole way from the top down. I mean, yes, the scar all the way down on my right. And don't you arm. have metal pieces in your arm now? Uh-huh. I have 13 screws, two metal plates, 
And then I have two large screws on my wrist because the wrist broke and compounded out the right side of the arm. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm over here like freaking out. And like I said, I saw it too. And I saw how much pain you were in. And I saw, and I didn't realize that you had to have those other this surgeries to, um, to correct things for that too. But that's what we're kind of getting to is the danger. This oh. was the beginning of where the abuse even went further as, as things went on and, you know, and, yes. and not knowing what exactly happened in that moment, you can never be sure, but you're pretty sure he pushed and it wouldn't be the last time that something like that happened. So, well, not pushed me, but pulled me pulled you purposely okay. over the wall. Yeah. And we reenacted it trying to figure out if his story would match up. Of course, this was after I broke up with him, but uh, there's no way it could have happened the way he said it did. Like you said, he's trying to control the narrative because he knows he's caught. And he, the only person he's got to convince is you, though. And he That's did. Right. He was able to do so for the time. Well, he you played know? the hero. He was my, there for my physical therapies. He was there for all these things. You know, he brought me gifts. He took care of me for some of that time. It almost sounds like Munchausen's a little bit, a little bit with the cause of the problem so that you can be the, the hero to fix it. Isn't that it. true? It's yes, so you're scary. right. So you continue on with the relationship, but this is the point, like I said, this is the tipping point where reason starts to set in. Yes. First, I know that you started saying, I'm not playing mediator anymore. You cut that off. And at first you were like, I'm taking his side. And then pretty quickly it switched over to, oh, these you're voices. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because your kids kept saying stuff. And then the family members that were his friends started saying, we don't like him. He's dangerous. That is correct. And he did some, well, I guess the accident happened after that. He had done some work at my mother's house and he had gotten in my mother's face and screamed at her saying, don't call me that because my mother <laughs> kept calling him stupid. She was a feisty lady. But she was a feisty lady. She knew. And, and she at knew. that point, she was fighting cancer too, correct? Yes. He was yelling at a woman who was fighting cancer? <laughs> like, Yes. But of course, that happened behind closed doors. So here she calls my brother and tells him, and then we have this big family fight. And then he convinces me that I was there when it happened outside and that it didn't happen. I know today that's not true. I know he did do that to my mother, which is horrible. But I think after the accident and after all the surgeries, which really took quite a while <laughs> and getting over getting that fixator out on my arm and going through all the physical therapy. And, and then I had surgery on my bladder and then they had to fix that surgery the next year. So it wasn't even until 2018. That's when I started to question his actions, started to question what's going on with this person. What's wrong with him? We went on vacation. Every time you go on vacation, they go crazy. You went to Colorado, correct? Yes. Uh, more than once or was it just the one? We went twice. The first time was after the accident. Then we went to Florida and that's when he had a big problem with my niece and that caused a big family dissension problem. And so that was a pretty consistent thing, though. He would pick out a family member specifically. He yes. would attack them. You would try to defend. And then he would try to convince you that that family member was toxic or poison to you and pull you away. Isn't that correct? Wow. That is correct. Wow. Yes. And then that was in 2018. And we had a lot of fights. I spent, I don't even know. I went to Fort Worth every single day. And I was laughing about that just the other day because my new car I bought a year ago today, it only has 19,000 miles on it. And it had 5,000 on it when I bought it. So only like 13,000 miles in a year, where it used to be 25 or 30,000 in a year. And the reason why is he wouldn't come see you anymore. He would not come see me. He would demand that you come see him. Is that correct? Yes, because my family all lives around me. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't, probably, he didn't want to be around. 
he's probably keying up for an ass beating. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I apologize to say, but your brothers don't mess around. <laughs> like, they do not. <laughs> I think that's why I'm safe today. Thank oh, God. I, well, I, I think you're safe because you're smart enough to realize what it was. And you were smart enough when you cut ties, you cut ties. I know during that Colorado trip, didn't he have a freak out and corner you in the room or something like that? Yeah, that was a few months before it was completely over. That was the last vacation we went on. We were getting up to go on a trip from, we were in Colorado Springs. We were going to drive to Breckenridge, then to Denver and come back. And so we get on the road, he gets a call from his mother and his whole demeanor changes. He's now angry and upset about everything. I really don't know if there's a connection there, but very possible. And then he just raged on the highway all the way to Breckenridge, all the way through the tunnel that goes through the mountain. And then he got angry and he turned around and went back through the tunnel. And then he got angry and turned around and went back through the tunnel. By the time we got to Denver, it was dark. I couldn't even see my family home. I was like, just get me back to the cabin. He's threatening to go home. I said, go home. We're driving down a mountain. I'd never been more terrified in my life. I just thought, this is it. I'm going to die today. And um, man, it was just horrific. Finally, get home. And he says, right before we get to the cabin, he says, turns to me and says, Hey, honey, what's for dinner? Like it's nothing. Freaked me out. Yeah, that's a major psycho code switching bullshit is what that is. And that is terrifying. terrifying. And the raging is real. Yeah, that's that superficial charm we didn't talk about. So I'd met oh, yeah. a narcissist a couple of times. I thought he was interesting. I thought he was a unique character. You know what I mean? I wasn't against him. I thought he was a nice guy. He came across that way. The only thing I did say to you is I think he's on drugs. And you adamantly like he is not on drugs. He hasn't used a drug in years. I was like, Suzanne, I take a lot of drugs because I am a druggie. (laughs) And I'm telling you right now, that dude is on drugs. And you were absolutely right. I totally believe you. (laughs) Yes. I think he was on hydrocodone, Vicodin, something like that. He was on some kind of medication that spaced him out. Now, you always make an excuse to say he's just a little bit different because he did have a brain injury from a young age. So, right. Uh, Which my my family was a part of. They knew all about it. So Right. And so it was one of those things where it's uh, you had an excuse, but then it became like there was an excuse for this. There's an excuse for that. There's an excuse for this. You follow the bread trails and you see the trap that he's laid for you, whereas everyone else around you is kind of going like, that doesn't seem right. Or like, (laughs) shouldn't be that much intrigue over just, you know, this random guy, you know, we wanted to like him because he was your boyfriend. Because we love you. We like you. So we wanted things to go well. But like, I I still think to this day he was on drugs. I don't know if he was or not, but I I believe so. (laughs) But he was hiding it. It's the thing. It's the endless lies. The endless. Yes, he claimed to be years sober. And we'd go to Olive Garden and he'd taste the wine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Can't be sober to do that. Come on. No, that's not how this works. You're so married to an alcoholic. I get it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So anyhow, at the cabin, didn't he corner you at one point too, or something like that? Like he was in the basement and had a little freak out. And I, I think that, cause I think yes. that was your kind of, for lack of better words, your come to Christ moment where you were like, this is messed up. Yeah, I could, I could die. I've got to get out of this. Right. How do I and, get out? And then I started researching before we went on that vacation, I had started researching. And if you just type in Pinterest, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> That's where all the narcissist stuff started coming up. And I start reading about narcissistic abuse and I I'm shocked. Absolutely. Everything is exactly what I was going through. 
you know, there's different types of narcissists. Everybody has a narcissistic characteristic, but a narcissistic sociopath, the abuse that they give you, man, it's all identical. And then I joined this narcissistic abuse Facebook group and all the stories are exactly the same, but different. Just crazy. It's absolutely insane. And during that period of time, you had been trying to kind of distance yourself while getting your escape plan together. And that's the problem with narcissists. You have to have an escape plan. And I know that sounds insane, but (laughs) you have to cut ties completely and you're going to want to still contact them. You are so smart because I believe once you cut ties, you cut ties, correct? I cut ties, period. I didn't even miss it. Because <laughs> you you were on the other side. You came through the fog and you saw like, holy crap, you know, here be dragons. We're not messing with them. It was insane to watch you do it. But I remember you were you were a little bit angry. And that's a rightful emotion to have because you've been, for lack of a better word, you've been duped this whole time. Absolutely. And it's it's enraging. And my form, I had a lot of anger towards women and you saw me go through that. And I was very, very angry towards all women, ex- you know, excluding the women who were close to me in my life, who I absolutely <laughs> love. But for women, like I'd be like, women are this, and women are that. And I was edging towards what's called an incel, which is an celibate person who, who basically hates women. And right. once I realized that that's where I was edging towards, I went, oh, no, 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 <laughs> we don't hate women. <laughs> I can't hate women. I so, love women. Yeah, I was mad at one woman and even then I forgive her. So it's fine. You know what I mean? Whereas you were righteously angry the appropriate way where you're like, this guy took so much of my life and I bought it because I loved him. And that's what he used. He used your love against you. And you said earlier, he he never loved you. He hated you. Absolutely. He doesn't have the ability to love. No. It's a shame, you know, that people get caught up in these traps. You know, what was your main feeling when you got out? of the relationship? Well, I think to get out of the relationship, there had to be some external explosion, meaning, you know, most of narcissistic abuse is hidden. People don't know what's going on. My family didn't know he'd done all those things to me. They were very upset with me that they didn't know those things. And I understand that, but I didn't want them to hate him because I loved him. And so we'd been fighting. We hadn't been seeing each other. We had a four-year anniversary. He said, let's go to dinner. Let's try to talk these things out. And that's where it ended because when we got there, he was very vocal. You know, he was being ugly to me at the table. I even had a manager who came and stood by my table and asked me if I was okay. And (laughs) just crazy stuff. And we were, of course, in my car. So then I had to take him home and he didn't (laughs) want me to take him home. And then it became this fight. No, we're going to talk about your family. No, I'm taking you home. And so when I got home, I said, that's it. And I contacted my family and I said, I got to get out. I need your help. And so very next day, my entire family showed up, all of them, my brothers, their wives, their kids, everybody showed up. They changed the locks on my doors. I blocked him from every possible aspect of being able to talk to me except work, which my boss, Mike, rescued me and said, don't call here anymore. Um, He did show up at my house that day, but strangely enough, we had left and my car was still in the driveway. So he thought it was home. He showed up, but my son-in-law lived next door and he went over there saying, I need to talk to her and crying. Brandon kindly and graciously said, when a woman tells you it's over, it's over. I was just so blessed to have a family that surrounded me. And a lot of people don't have that, but there are resources for them to get out. And you do have to completely block it because I got emails from him for a while. I think that I'm lucky. I know that 
he reconnects with people just from knowing his past, a lot of his stories about his girlfriends, hearing stories from his family. He'll circle back around if you're vulnerable. So you've got to really watch out. He's like a vulture. He's coming in. And so then, yeah, a vulture. Thank God I'm free. Let me tell you, it took a long time. I had a lot of post-traumatic stress responses after that. I mean, I would sit catatonic for hours. Left the office one day and my sister-in-law called and said, where are you? And I said, what do you mean? I just left the office. She said, it's 730. I've been sitting in my car with the car on for an hour and a half. Didn't even know it. Just some crazy stuff happened. I'm so grateful that I've had a lot of healing. With some people, it takes a lot longer. Hey, everyone. It's just Doc jumping in here real quick to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. If you're enjoying it, head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you get a chance, head over to our social media. All links can be found in the description. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash we are podcast. And with that, back to the podcast. How long has it been? Two and a half? That was June of 19. Almost three. How do you feel now? You said earlier, when you get out of the relationship, you have to find yourself again. And it takes time. Yes. I think I'm still finding my way. That first year... I went to a Shannon Etheridge, one of my dear friends, runs a ministry. She has a intensive workshop called Women at the Well, and she really helps you work through a whole lot of those issues. What I discovered was that the reason I ended up in the same place I did before I stopped dating 16 years ago, I never dealt with what was behind. I never figured out why I do these things. I discovered that I have no boundaries of any kind, never had any. And so I would let anybody in and you can't do that. You just can't for your own health and your own safety. You can't help everybody. And I can't fix people. (laughs) But boundaries were a big, big, big issue for me. And so I'm still learning to draw those boundaries. It has helped tremendously in my life. And then I had to rediscover, you know, I didn't have a church home. I started attending several churches. I found one I really liked and then the pandemic hit. Oh, yeah. And church is all shut down. To be really honest, I haven't ventured back to church. I listen to church service every Sunday. I'm involved in a ministry called Delightfully Yours Ministry. And I write for the blog every other month. It's a beautiful ministry that just administers to women, letting them know that they are cherished and they are loved. And it was a beautiful place to start. And then I went to a writing workshop with Shannon Etheridge again, Blast Next Level. And that's kind of helped me get my head back on. I've had to rethink my books, what I'm going to write about, how I'm going to write about it. And which is really interesting because I'd already started writing a book and then I go back and think, oh my gosh, so much happened since then. Yeah. You've got, <laughs> you've got to add more. You've got so. a couple books there. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to autobiographies <laughs> and like dealing with stuff you've got, but you've also got the message you came through and you survived it. You know, somebody who wasn't as strong as you. And, and he really put you through the ringer. I saw what emotionally, physically, spiritually, this one person just was a tornado, if not a hurricane. It it was absolutely terrifying. And to see somebody as strong as you and strong willed be broken in some ways, not always though. You always had that feistiness where you're like, you were going to bite back. And that was his undoing because he chose somebody who was strong enough and smart enough not to put up with it and be able to get away. But like you said, you needed the strength of your entire family to be able to get away. That is absolutely beautiful that your family came together for you and did that. Like, uh, I apologize. I'm almost in tears about that. Faith-wise, are you where you want to be or are you still working towards it? Well, I'm a lot closer to where I want to be. 
I think God has really opened a lot of doors. I want to get the message out. I've been able to minister to a lot of women who are hurting because of abuse. And I really feel like that's my voice. I was sexually abused by my father. I was gang raped in high school. I married an alcoholic who didn't abuse me, but abused everything else. So I've just got so much healing and knowledge in how God deals with that. You know, it's okay to be single. Single's a whole number. God says you have a single purpose and that is to serve others and to build them up. And so I love that. And I know that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm going to be writing. I'm writing two essays for a book right now. Hopefully, hopefully they'll accept them after they're written, but they accepted the pitches. So I'm excited about that. Got another friend who wants me on her podcast just to talk about freedom. And let me tell you, it is wonderful to be free. So (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful too, because like you said, though, one is a whole number. And I remember whenever you told me that at work, that hit me where I was like, you know what? It is okay to be single and it is okay to be happy. And what's scary and what's also beautiful is the fact that you, through your service to others, this one person found you and you tried to do the same thing to him. You tried to be of service. You tried to help just be there to love and to empathize and all those things. And he used it against you. So the fact that you can still trust people after that is absolutely amazing because not a lot of people would, you know, I was in a place where I didn't trust women. It was terrifying, but you know what I did because I came to you for advice always, you know what I mean? And you were always, yeah, you did. To, to put me well, and you always gave me good advice too. Uh, I don't know about that. But. I miss it. I miss it. <laughs> let's talk about finally, let's talk about what happened afterwards. So you knew that he was dating somebody else pretty quick afterwards. Yeah, I think within two months. And I'm not on social media, but my sister-in-law used to try to check him out. And uh, Just keep there was a girl. <laughs> there was a girl on there that was announcing. It was a picture of them and announcing that she found the one that her soul loved. And I realized that she had a friend that we shared. And so I didn't actually reach out to them, but I did pray and say, hey, God, you know this woman, you know, she loved you. Save her from having to go through all of this. I remember that. I remember that very vividly. And not the prayer, but I remember when you talked about it, you're like, I just don't want another woman to go through what I went through. Just very quickly, that disappeared from her Facebook. So we know they broke up. (laughs) (laughs) And then you got a call, what, uh, a couple of weeks ago from another woman or was it? Was it? Actually, um, it was actually the beginning of December. I received a phone call at work from a lady who said, you don't know me, but I would like to talk to you about the narcissist. And of course, my anxiety buttons came up and I start freaking out a little bit in my head. And then I said, well, okay, first of all, how did you get my number? And she said, a lady from the church where we used to attend suggested that I call you. And uh, I said, okay, how do you know him? And she said, well, we met on a dating site four years ago or something like that. Their first date was having coffee in 2018. And I said, oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Because we were dating until June of 19. So all those times he was accusing me, he was out having coffee with people on dating sites. So it's People insane. It's so insane. And like, yeah. you, it was so funny. One of his big things, the narcissist didn't want you going to the gym because he said, no. but what did he say it was? Because it was a, a meat market. Is that what meat it was? Market. <laughs> a meat market. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck does that even mean? <laughs> like, but he didn't want like the other guys hitting on you or something like that. Right. And he so was a very jealous person, obviously not jealous. And, didn't want to get caught. And exactly. And then on the inverse, he's going out on coffee dates with women while you're still dating. I mean, and who knows what it. else? 
Yeah. Oh, God. I'm sure much more. So she said that they met for the first time in 2018, and then they started dating six months. A little bit, but but they had become pretty serious about six months prior to her calling me. There was a falling out and her children, her grown children did not want her going out with him anymore. And she was kind of lost because she really cared for him. And so I said, well, tell me your story. And she said, well, I was married for 30 years and my husband dropped dead of heart attack. I said, well, that's how we found you were vulnerable. You were lonely. You're seeking love. And he found you, you know, she didn't really buy any of the things I was telling her at the time. You know, it's like, you're not going to like anything I have to say. He was very abusive. He tells a lot of lies. His life is a whole much about you. He's a chameleon. He will conform his life to whatever yours is. And which is exactly when I heard her story, exactly what he did do. They didn't do any of the things that he and I did. They did things that she would want to do, Uh, which is fascinating because that is not a world he would be a part of, which is really interesting me that they just jump on the backs of of people's lives like a leech absolutely (laughs) and like you said the chameleon their teeth in yeah like a leech where they sink their teeth in and they they just start sucking the life force out of people so you told her that you would be happy to meet up for coffee but she needed to break up with him first that's correct i said when you've broken up i would be happy to meet for coffee and get to know you and pray with you and she said well she didn't know what she was going to do But I told her everything, you know, I told her all the heavy stuff, just sitting at my desk at work. And I didn't talk to her a couple weeks later, I sent her a message and just said, I'm praying for you. And then I didn't hear from her until January. And she said, I'd like to meet for coffee. I have broken up. And so just last Friday, we met for coffee (laughs) and we got to share our stories and talk about healing and how we got there and how we moved past it. She actually had broken up with him, but then gone back to see him Christmas Eve. And anyway, no, lots a hard of details. Time of year. Yeah, it's a hard time. Of year. Really hard time to be alone. And so at the end of it, you said you took a picture. Is that right? Yes, we took a selfie of ourselves together. And, uh, she sent it to him. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's that's such a good button on it. So he knows that that you're out there protecting others and listening to their story and doing the things that you and because here's the thing is I believe I know and it sounds almost vindictive, but it's really not. In a narcissistic abusive situation, you have to realize that these people are the enemy. You know, they have fully bought into that life. They can't be healed. So if you're asking yourself, hey, am I the narcissist? Then you're not because you can't ask that question if you're a narcissist. Nope. And I think it's a beautiful explanation point on the end of both your relationship and that woman's relationship with him saying, listen, we found each other here. We know what you're all about and we're done. I mean, what it it takes extreme measures for extreme people sometimes to get the point. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. And like I said, if you're out there and you're in an abusive relationship, if you're in a narcissistic relationship, there is help, whether it be friends, family, whether you need to call the helplines, you know, there's places for women to go who are being abused. If you need to escape, get an escape plan and go. If you need to move away, move away. you got to, because they're not going to stop. And the inevitable end is something bad. And we don't always know what it is, but it's something bad. But at the end of the day, they're not about you. They're not about you at all. They are all about themselves. And they they lie so much, they lie to themselves. They believe it. It's insanity. They believe I, all of it. All of it. Oh, all of it. I mean, it's so amazing. It is it's, amazing. But I will, 
I will say that to all of those who are stuck in it and they're, and you're seeking a way out, the freedom, the joy that comes in the morning after it's over, when you have finally broken free, you're not still pining for that love. You realize you're worthy. You're worth it. You do not deserve that kind of behavior. God's going to provide for you. And it might be with a man that loves the Lord and loved you, but it might not. And you're going to be okay. And you just need to go out there and live your life and find yourself again and be stronger because of it. Because all these ugly things that we go through in life make you stronger if you let it. We learn bigger lessons from the hard than we do from the easy. And we become better people because of it. And learn a lesson from Suzanne. Because <laughs> she knows. She's telling you. Like, get out. Let's talk about your life now post-narcissist and your relationships with your family and your daughters. How is that going? Oh, my relationship with my kids and my grandkids and all of my family is amazing. I have not returned to any of the abusive relationships, whether they were unintentionally so within the church or whether it was the narcissist. I seek relationships that are mature and enjoyable. Like Jesus, if I'm trying to help somebody, I go away to pray. I don't spend all my time with somebody who's hurting because you've got to have your downtime. I love hanging out with my cat, Fairy, and I have three grandkids now that are six, three, and one. My daughter, Amanda, owns a flower shop, and her and her husband are doing fabulous. My daughter, Brandy, and all three kids, they just got married, her and Josh, in December, and we just have the best time. I get to see those kids at least once a week and watch them grow and learn. Then I get to enjoy my life as a single person and I can do whatever I want whenever I want. Right. <laughs> it's you kind go- of fun. <laughs> Are you going swimming now at least? You know, during the pandemic, I gained a bunch of weight. I gained about 50 pounds. Thank there you very much. And I had some health issues because of it, went through all of that. I have recently lost 20 of those. Congratulations. Thank you, Jesus. Working very hard for that. And I didn't choose to go back to the pool until I lost a little weight because it, swimming makes you gain weight because it turns you into muscle. muscle yeah. And so it was a mental thing. I have to see the weight come off, but I'm ready. I started a schedule this week where I'm going to start swimming. I have set aside writing time, all the fun stuff. Suzanne, I want to say thank you so much <laughs> for being on and talking about this. I know it's not an easy conversation to have. A lot of Emotion was flying. I was almost crying there a couple of times. And I just wanted to say how much I appreciate you being there for me, being there for the people in your lives and being there for the women that you haven't even met yet that you're going to be able to help through this. It's very cool. Very awesome that you take the time and you that you're brave enough to share this stuff because not everyone's going to be brave enough to share it. Yeah, it's hard to talk about, but yeah, I don't know. It's easier for me because I feel just free. I think that if you don't talk about it, you can't get free of it. So Breathe life into others. I appreciate you breathing life into me. Oh, you've been I, a great strength for me. Oh, I appreciate it. I didn't know that. <laughs> I would take yes. a compliment, I guess. I, I mean, you have no idea how much I miss our conversations at work. Oh, yeah. We had the best conversations. Really, <laughs> we man. did. We had some wild ones, too. Just, <laughs> just conversations about life and love and, and just family and just everything. So we'll have a conversation again. We, we talked about doing this for a while. We'll do another one. We'll find another subject to talk about, but I love you. Thank you so much for doing the podcast with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you too. With that said, thank you so much for listening and y'all be cool. (laughs) I don't even know how I ended. I was like, Suzanne's epic. There it is. Boom. (laughs) 
And there it is. Thank you again so much for checking out the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and iTunes, and give We Are Podcast Network a like. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other podcasts here on the We Are Podcast Network. We have We Are Air, where we talk movies, entertainment, whatever the fuck we want to talk about. That's me, that's Jake, and that's Javi. We're breaking down that pop culture, and we're having so much fun. Heroes, Jero's A Dungeons and Distractions side quest. Me and the boys were playing some D&D. You can start that one from Season 1, Episode 1. It's a blast the whole way through. And I hate being sober. Personal stories from epic people. I sit down with some of my favorite people of all time. We talk about their trials, their tribulations, and their journey this far. And finally, our new live video podcast, Camp Slash Horrorcast, where we're going to have a roundtable discussion about our favorite horror movies. That'll be available on Twitch and YouTube, streaming every Monday at 8 p.m. Check the links in the description to find out what movies we'll be watching. Also, check the links in the description for our social media. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at backslash we are podcast network. With that said, thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. Please remember to support local comedy in any way that you can. We'll see you next time.